Precision Medicine continues to gain momentum in U.S. healthcare. Precision Medicine is those features within an individual that may predict their susceptibility to a disease, their response to treatment, or their risk of adverse outcomes from the disease. And it's specifically impacting the field of otolaryngology in our community. Otoclonomics is what we call our program to measure clinical outcomes in otolaryngology. Including addressing disparities in patient treatments and outcomes. We want to be very clear about the disparities that we have uncovered and that we plan to address through the continuation of the otoclonomics platform. Discover the road to otoclonomics inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Wisconsin, Freighter Hospital, Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. A major paradigm shift is underway as healthcare practice and research are now focusing on diagnosis and treatment of diseases based on the needs of the individual patient. Today we discover one area of medicine where this is happening, beginning right here in our community. Dr. David Friedland is Professor and Chief, Department of Otolaryngology at the Medical College of Wisconsin and Director of the CTSI's Clinical and Translational Research Center. Dr. Friedland first shares what the medical field of otolaryngology involves. Otolaryngology, which is also known as ENT or ear, nose, and throat, is a field that focuses on sensory, functional, inflammatory, infectious, cosmetic, and neoplastic conditions in the head and neck region. Conditions are extremely common and prevalent in the community and can range from hearing loss to sinusitis to oral cancer and even to sleep apnea. Indeed, otolaryngology is a spectrum of scientific disciplines within the field. It's a very broad range of conditions, but otolaryngology represents many focused scientific disciplines within the entire field. Our department at the Medical College of Wisconsin has nine different subspecialty divisions, which range from pediatric ENT to sleep medicine to head and neck cancer. Dr. Friedland describes each of the subspecialties, beginning with 
General Otolaryngology. General Otolaryngology treats the most common and basic conditions within ENT. This can include sinusitis, it can include otitis media or ear infections, both in children and adults. It can include tonsillitis and the performance of tonsillectomies. There's neurotology, which Dr. Friedland is very familiar with because... Neurotology is my specialty, and that focuses on disorders around the inner ear. It can be as straightforward as age-related hearing loss, but it gets as complex as skull-based tumors, things such as acoustic neuroma, for which we work with neurosurgeons to address those conditions. Next facial plastic, and reconstructive surgery. Facial plastic and reconstructive surgery can address all conditions generally of the skin and structure in the head and neck. This can range from cosmetic surgery, such as rhinoplasty or facelift, but it can also be reconstructive surgery, such as after trauma or after excision of skin cancers. Then, there's head and neck surgical oncology and reconstruction. Head and neck surgical oncology addresses neoplastic or cancerous conditions. Most of this is squamous cell carcinoma, usually affecting the oral cavity or the throat. The reconstructive part of this discipline is to reconstruct the portions of the upper aerodigestive system that are removed so that patients can continue to have functions such as speech and swallowing. Laryngology. The larynx is also called the voice box. Laryngology and the professional voice service deals with disorders around that area. Most of these have to deal with changes in voice, such as hoarseness. Other areas have to deal with swallowing, which also passes through that region. And finally, rhinology and skull-based surgery. Rhinology means nose, and that largely focuses on inflammatory conditions such as sinusitis and nasal polyps and even allergy. The skull-based component focuses on tumors that occur in the front part of the brain, such as pituitary tumors. In the overall landscape of healthcare, how prevalent are otolaryngological disorders in Wisconsin and nationally? Across the spectrum, otolaryngological disorders are among the most common of all diseases nationally and in Wisconsin. As an example, our department performed over 12,000 surgeries for the placement of ear tubes in children in just the past 10 years. In addition to that, there were probably several thousand tonsillectomy surgeries. Sinusitis is one of the most common pediatric but also adult inflammatory disorders, as are sinonasal allergies. If we look at things like hearing loss, that'll affect over 50% of the population over the age of 65. Sleep apnea is extremely prevalent and becoming more prevalent as our population continues to battle with increasing rates of obesity. And head and neck cancer, unfortunately, is one of the few cancers in Wisconsin that is actually increasing in incidence. Overall, how does Dr. Friedland characterize our understanding of the determinants of otolaryngological conditions on a population level? So in otolaryngology, like many other fields, we have a broad understanding of diseases on the population level. 
We generally know how serious a disease is for the average case. We generally know what percentage of cases may involve complications and a good understanding of typical treatment outcomes. However, population level information is based on averages. And like any average, there are people who are above and below the mean. So there are likely underlying personal and individual reasons why some people are at one extreme of the spectrum. And this may involve components of genetics or environmental exposures or other medical conditions that contribute to these otolaryngologic manifestations. Such a concept can be applied to almost any of the conditions that we treat in otolaryngology. In order to overcome the gaps in understanding determinants of disease from a population level, a shift to individual care is underway. Precision medicine is where we take this population level data and we start to fragment that into smaller and smaller groups that have common features until we get down to the individual level and can identify those features within an individual person that may predict their susceptibility to a disease, their response to treatment, or their risk of adverse outcomes from the disease. Next, Dr. Friedland shares how precision medicine is making its way into otolaryngology through a platform he helped create. It's known as otoclinomics. Otoclinomics is a program we developed here at Medical College. It's what we call our program to measure clinical outcomes in otolaryngology. Otoclinomics is a groundbreaking approach. Otoclinomics is our invention. There are registries and patient databases elsewhere in otolaryngology, but ours is a very specific platform to look at our own data and our own outcomes and to help generalize that to the population at large. The otoclinomics program originated at MCW in 2017 when... Our department began to map out a five-year research strategy. We wanted to focus on precision medicine. Between myself and the chair of our department, Dr. John Ree, and Dr. Raul Arudia, the director of the Genomic Sciences and Precision Medicine Center, we started to formulate an understanding of what we can do. And as that formulated, we became more and more involved with the clinical research data warehouse of the CTSI. And the collaboration involves team members from partner institutions as well. We developed this platform with a data scientist, Dr. Jake Luo, at UW-Milwaukee. What was the impetus for otoclinomics? Was it a specific identified need in the community? At the onset, we didn't really have a focus on a specific community need. We were adopting the principles of evidence-based medicine, and we wanted to apply that to our own clinical experience and processes and understand how that was affecting our outcomes. We didn't really have a good understanding of how our clinical activities intersected with the community. Once we started looking at our data, that's when the community intersection became quite apparent. What about the name, otoclinomics? Where does that come from? We wanted to come up with a name that reflected the measurement of everything we can. We know there's such thing as genomics, which is the measurement of your genes, and pharmacogenetics, which is the measurement of your response to medications, but we wanted to include potentially everything. So we came up with otoclinomics, where clinomics is the measure of everything clinical. It's a great name for a platform with a very specific goal. Our program 
program has a mission statement that we support our clinical mission of providing the best health care possible by striving for excellence, measuring our outcomes, searching for knowledge, and educating the current and next generation of medical providers. So our goal in otoclonomics is to assess our clinical outcomes so that we can improve patient care. Our goal is also to educate the next generation of medical providers so that they start to incorporate clinical outcomes into their clinical practices and continuously challenge themselves to improve. Dr. Friedland says otoclonomics has two components that help shift focus from populations to an individual's biological factors. The first component retrospective review of our medical records helps us narrow down our focus to different social and demographic and clinical factors that may impact disease treatment and outcomes. While this may focus on populations of patients, it does narrow it down to smaller and smaller populations with similar measurable features. So, for instance, we identified that ear drainage or an ear infection after the placement of ear tubes is much higher in children with specific underlying medical conditions than in otherwise healthy children. The second component is to support basic science and translational studies that look at individual patient factors that may correlate with disease. An example of this would be a program that uses patient CT scans to reconstruct their nasal airflow and simulate the improvement in airflow from different surgical manipulations. The goal of this is to tailor the surgical intervention specifically to each patient's underlying anatomy to maximize their post-surgical benefit. How has the otoclonomics program established a platform for collecting and analyzing all different kinds of data? platform for collecting and analyzing data is a really strong collaboration with the biomedical informatics function of the CTSI. We were one of the earliest adopters of some of the advances the informatics function has made in querying and extracting data from the electronic health system. The BMI developed a data analytics work platform in which we can extract this information and perform certain statistical analyses on these data. We're also able to link to other important databases. So with this, we're able to drill down to narrower and narrower variables with which to correlate our information. In starting otoclonomics, Dr. Friedland said they first needed to find a director to oversee the research program. We knew we needed someone who had an understanding of clinical populations and how that impacts our patients. Given that community connection, we were very interested in someone with public health experience. They found Jasmine Adams. She was very instrumental in the direction we took with our earliest studies. She clearly has a passion for understanding and correcting health disparities based on sociodemographic factors, and that indeed was the focus of some of our earliest investigations. So now let's meet Jasmine Adams, director of the Otoclonomics Research Program at the Medical College of Wisconsin, who tells us that this research platform aims to improve health outcomes throughout the measurement of social, medical, biological determinants of disease. These outcome assessments aim to improve healthcare delivery for common ENT conditions in Wisconsin. 
And she adds that the shift from focusing on populations to individual patients is important in general. The shift has come from a universal problem that healthcare has always seemed to face, which is the fair allocation of healthcare resources across populations. And a solution to this problem has been individual care. A decision-making principle at individual level would be to choose the option of care that maximizes the individual's welfare, not just for what their supposed welfare should be based on how their demographic is represented or how people in their demographic usually presents clinically. And it's an important change specifically within the field of otolaryngology. There are significant gaps within otolaryngology in understanding social and biological determinants of disease, particularly as it relates to individuals and their unique features of influencing disease outcomes. Given that MCW's Department of Otolaryngology and Communication Sciences is the largest single specialty ENT practice in Wisconsin, the otoclinomics program has the opportunity to assess individual patient factors to personalize disease treatment for the patient and also geographical, occupational, and social determinants that demonstrate health disparities to inform clinical, community, and population health interventions. All of which combines to make the specific goal of the otoclonomics research program to develop clinical processes to facilitate measurement of health outcomes across all subspecialty divisions in otolaryngology. The program is also heavily focused on the promotion of engagement of research education opportunities for residents and medical students. Considering that otolaryngological disorders are among the most prevalent conditions affecting health in Wisconsin, these common disorders have varying treatment options and patient responses to intervention. The research being done by otoclonomics removes this veil to understand individual etiologies of these diseases and better inform the clinical decision-making process of our physicians for those individual patients. As research director, what does Jasmine's role entail? oversee the entire research process, including the review of research narratives or project ideas that are to be conducted by our platform, data abstraction from the CTSI clinical research data warehouse, I'm responsible for translation and dissemination of study results and manuscript submission, and also facilitate student and resident engagement with the research platform through guidance and technical assistance. And she says her biggest task at hand is seeking funding to support the continuation of the platform beyond the five year grant. I also seek grants to support small research efforts within our department for individual specialties or research interests of our faculty. But Jasmine's education and experience from the UWM Zilber School of Public Health prepared her for the role. Not only did they give me foresight to understand that I could actually handle something like this and make me feel prepared academically and mentally being around these types of professionals in academic research, but also the applied knowledge that was encouraged. They gave us a lot of practical experience and made things very real for us, molding you to be dedicated public health professionals to serve this city that suffers from a lot of disproportionate health outcomes. That heart of a servant has served her well. The underlying value of recognizing yourself as a servant and knowing that all things are public health has really prepared me for this role. And if you have the knowledge and your values and passions aligned with the work, that is very much appreciated. Next, we asked Jasmine how the otoclonomics program established a platform to collect and analyze data for research. 
She says it's a collaborative effort with the CTSI's Clinical Research Data Warehouse and... We have also established a strong collaboration with the biomedical informatics function of CTSI as well. The BMI has made querying and extracting data from the electronic health system of Freighter and Children's Wisconsin very accessible to us. So they provide a monthly mirror of all the EMR data these two health systems have. And the BMI has developed that hub, a data analytics work platform in which we can extract the information and perform statistical analysis on that monthly mirror of data. What types of data are being collected and analyzed? We discover it includes everything from demographic data, which range from age, sex, race, to insurance status, and region in which the patient resides in Wisconsin, to biological data. We extract biological and clinical data such as BMI, blood pressure, and presence of other diseases or comorbid diseases, and radiographic data. This has been done through the help of the BMI as well and performed analysis on those reports with regards to clinical outcomes. We have used the radiographic data to look at associations between diseases and other outcomes. For example, we have shown there's high correlation among a number of conditions, especially cardiovascular conditions, and their rates of falls. And falls are actually one of the leading causes of death in Wisconsin, and we have the highest rate of deadly falls in the country. Does the otoclonomics platform include all areas of precision medicine within the field of otolaryngology? Jasmine says no. Not yet, anyway. We have only ventured into a few areas of precision medicine at this point in the project timeline. So far, the areas of precision medicine otoclonomics has entered include microbiomics. We have provided seed funding for our head and neck physician, Dr. Joseph Zanga, for a microbiome project that investigates microbial risk factors for surgical site infections after head and neck reconstruction. The first study of its kind to investigate metagenomic sequencing to identify bacteria that lead to SSI or surgical site infections and radiomics. With radiomics, we have acquired narratives and impressions of CT scans for our data scientist, Dr. Jake Lewell, to perform natural language processing for the identification of temporal bone fractures through building a machine learning prediction model. This study actually showed that the model built can support physician decision-making by providing simple visualization to physicians and enhance the trust of computerized models using those clinical texts or impressions from those CT scans. What about genetics, epigenetics, pharmacogenetics? Will otoclonomics expand into those areas as well? Absolutely. With those funds that we're seeking for continuing the platform, we are hoping to expand our work for all areas of precision medicine. Has otoclonomics made notable progress in identifying health disparities contributing to inequities in outcomes for patients? We know that southeastern Wisconsin is hypersegregated. With that in mind, we want to be very clear about the disparities that we have uncovered and that we plan to address through the continuation of the otoclonomics platform. Dr. David Friedland shares some findings the platform has uncovered thus far. We looked at chronic sinusitis, which is a very common condition, and we were able to identify over 8,000 patients seen in our clinic for this condition. We identified that access to the clinic correlated with the median income and the average college education rate in the zip codes of the patients who came to our clinic. 
We also found that these factors were influenced by race. We found that individuals from areas with lower socioeconomic status had lower rates of utilization for sinusitis. We then did a similar analysis for dysphonia, which is voice issues like hoarseness. This also showed that factors such as education and insurance correlate with access to service. Interestingly, it showed a higher rate of black patients being seen for voice issues than are typically seen in the rest of our clinic. And this raised consideration that there may be secondary factors, such as the rate of smoking in the black community, that may account for this increased disease burden within these communities. Jasmine Adams shares another discovery from otoclinomics research. Otitis media essentially are ear infections. So in a study sample of just over 38,000 children diagnosed with otitis media showed significantly lower rates of access to care in pediatric ENT clinics and to placement for children of Hispanic ethnicity, black race, and children living in areas of lower socioeconomic status, regardless of racial demographics. So this shows that even though there 38,000 children were diagnosed. There's disparity in who receives tympanostomy tube placement surgery that is needed for otitis media. If children are presenting in their black, Hispanic, or live in a certain zip code, they are less likely to receive those tubes for their disease. But Dr. Friedland points out that not all our studies look exclusively at social and demographic factors. For example, we looked at the outcomes of surgery for Graves' disease. This is a condition associated with thyroid problems. It is typically treated with surgery. We used the otoclonomics platform to evaluate the outcomes of surgery within our clinics. We were able to characterize the typical complications that patients may expect. And from this, we were able to develop patient information which are now integrated into the electronic health record and can be distributed directly to patients when they are seen for consultation. Is the program supporting projects across multiple divisions of the otolaryngology department at MCW? Yes. Currently, we are managing nine studies in otology, five studies in rhinology, seven studies in pediatric ENT, two studies in laryngology, two studies in plastics, and one study in sleep. Beyond its essential role in otolaryngology, can this platform impact other areas of healthcare? The clinical research data warehouse is set up in the CTSI, allows it to be used for any field or function within the medical system. So it can definitely be applied to any field. In fact, I am already scheduled to talk to a number of different departments about this program and how they can apply it to their own patients, use it to help train their own residents and medical students, and to assess their own outcomes and access to care from the community. The processes that we use are extremely transferable across specialties. They are not specific to otolaryngologic diseases at all. Otoclonomics is a template that can be used for any specialty or any department within our institution or other institutions nationally as well. As mentioned, the program is highly collaborative team science, which is key to its success. Team science is the next wave of clinical and translational research. Everybody has their own area of expertise, but no one can be an expert in all areas. Team science allows us to leverage different disciplines of expertise that can come together to address an unmet need in a more powerful and impactful way. Team science is intrinsic to the inner workings of otoclonomics from the generation of a new project to procuring, abstracting, and translating data across all specialties. There are a number of professionals involved in this process. It certainly doesn't happen in a vacuum. 
vacuum, and we need varying levels of engagement to produce these novel findings and address the disparities that we do find. The program's highly collaborative. We have a partner at UW-Milwaukee, Jake Luo, Bradley Taylor, and Kristen Ozinski with the biomedical informatics of the CTSI. Within our department, we have over 30 different faculty and eight different divisions participating. With that, we've had all of our residents, over a dozen medical students, We've provided additional training opportunities for graduate students in both data science and public health functions. So it's been collaborative among faculty as well as among trainees. So what are Dr. Friedland and Jasmine Adams most encouraged by about the otoclonomics platform at MCW? The best part of this program is to see the engagement among our residents and medical students with these type of studies and processes. Dozens of trainees engage in this process and have great concern for providing equitable and quality care. It feels great to be a part of the solution that can affect health of generations, people that look like me and people that don't look like me. This research is finally being done and it's very transparent research. It is going to have an impact on not only patients, but clinical care, how physicians adapt to findings and address these disparities. And Jasmine adds that, for her, this goes beyond professional. It's personal. It's a passion. Being an African-American woman from Milwaukee, I've seen what the hypersegregation looks like and where disparities are. I really do believe in this model of care and this model of physician decision-making. It is the future of healthcare, and it's the future of how we are actually going to reconcile trusting relationships with people who have been discriminated against or historically victimized by the healthcare system that now serves them. Fortunately, otoclonomics isn't just the future of medicine, it's here, now. Otoclonomics is a department-wide focus on clinical outcomes and personalized medicine and has already been integrated into aspects of clinical care and has supported additional research into some of these diseases that greatly impact our community. But right now, we're all out of time for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Thanks to both of our guests for appearing on today's show, Dr. David Friedland and Jasmine Adams. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month. Make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin, and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to the podcast of this or any of our shows on demand, please visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.